following is a message from Praise and Worship, a community of people in Branson, Missouri who are loved by Jesus and joining Him in His mission to bring love and hope to all people. For more information and for more audio and video content, visit www.branson.church. Today we're going to dive into this idea that we are made in His own image. And on the screen, for those of you who can see it, there is this beautiful piece of artwork made by my dear friend Anthony. Um, He, 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 all through the summer this past year, he made these cool things called the Savior Silhouettes, and he's still making them. He's still blessing us with them. And he made this one, and I, you know, normally I've I've got these other graphics we've been using, but I'm like, oh my goodness, those are so cool. I want to use it. And um, because this is the point when the story shifts. This is the moment when the story shifts, when, you know, we've been talking about let there be light, and we've been talking about let there be a separation from the water and the dry ground, and we've been talking about the birds of the air and the fish of the sea and the animals and the creepy crawlies and, you know, all those things. And now we're to this, to, to the, the man and the woman, to the male and the female, to human made in the image of God. What does that even mean in the image of God? Because I mean, like, well, I'm glad you asked. Let's pray about that and ask the Lord to guide us today. Father, we pray at this moment that you would help us grow in understanding what does it mean that each one of us in this room or anyone who hears these words are made in the image of God. What does that mean for us? And we, we know it means a lot of different things, but we want, us, we want to learn the specific thing that it means by studying these passages today. And we pray your protection and your provision that you would cast out the darkness from this place, set us free to navigate your word by the power of your spirit and in the mighty name of Jesus as we ask for your grace and your mercy and your perfect peace in his name. Amen. So, what do you think it means to be made in the image of God? You know, because here's, there's some immediate things we have to ponder. Because I, you know, I'm one of these guys, I, I'm not real pleased with my appearance. I'll just tell you that right out front. And, and you know, there's been some progress sometimes. He's kind of like two steps forward, 37 steps back. You know how it goes. And so we're working on that. But, you know, you're, is this about appearance? Is this about something else? Is this about the mind, the intellect, the reason? Um, is this about... The role is, you know, and if you, if you were to go to the library at Concordia Seminary, which is where I did my studies in St. Louis, and you go into this library, there are these caverns of bookshelves where there's just countless books. And this particular topic is one of the bigger bookshelves there. What does it mean to say the image of God? My Uncle Marty, some of you guys know him as Martin Luther. We're related by the blood of Jesus. Um, he, he's one of those guys, I always call him my uncle because because he had some really cool things, but at the same time, he's like an uncle. He says some kind of outlandish things sometimes. You know, we all have an uncle like that. That you're like, Uncle Marty, what was that all about? You know, you just kind of have that moment. And so, so he has some really cool things to say about this. And and when he gets to this, it's so funny what he does. He goes, Well, it could mean this, or it could mean this other thing, or it could mean. The... He goes, But at the end of the day, I just think we have no idea. And I, I'm kind of like, yeah, yeah, Uncle Marty's onto something there. But at the same time, I know why he's saying that, because he's reading Aristotle and Thomas Aquinas and Augustine or Augustine, if you're from the other side of town. And so all these different guys, he's reading their stuff, and they're all pondering and wondering. But what do we think, right? And what does Scripture specifically guide us in that thinking? Well, it's really interesting, because while there is tremendous mystery here, 
Oh, guys, let's dig in to the good stuff. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. We're going to put these words on the screen. We're going to zoom in on some key phrases and unpack this because I bet there's some surprises in there if you're like me. I'm one of those guys, I love to read the Bible all the time, but if, if you ever notice when you read God's Word and you study it, it just keeps surprising you. And these words are going to do that, I'm certain, for some of us as well. Then God said, verse 26, let us make man. Now the, we have to stop right there. Because the word man is the Hebrew word Adam, or Adam, as it would be pronounced there. Adam, right? And so the word for human, and of course in the NIV 1984, you would just say man, as in mankind. But nowadays, that kind of get, we, we interpret that differently, and so we would say human, right? But the word for human is Adam. So Adam, human, yeah, yeah, that's it, it is. So let us make Adam, or human, and look at this, this business of the plural. Let us make in our image. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Right? And yet we've got this before we ever get to Deuteronomy. This interesting thing. And some people will ponder, oh, well, that's just the royal plural. Like where you're like, we're so big. God is so big and so powerful that he can even just use the plural to describe himself. But he uses the phrase, our image and our likeness. And what's really interesting, no other place does he use the plural to describe that way other than when we're going to see something which we now refer to as the Trinity, which is this idea that God is this complex identity. And one of my professors would always say, don't describe the Trinity or you'll commit heresy because our language doesn't allow us to explain it. But we, one thing we could say, I was like, okay, how about this? A complex community of love. And they're like, I don't know. This just makes me feel weird. It sounds like something you'd see like a, you know, a commune or something. I, I know, and that's weird language. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, God is one what? But he is three who's. And that we can say, we can try all the analogies, none of them work, but that's what it is. And here we see it on page two of the Bible. We saw it actually on page one because God created the heavens and the earth and then the Spirit was hovering like a bird over the water, which is also interesting we think of when Jesus was baptized. What did the Spirit do? He came down like a bird, like a dove over the water. See, these are the things that are going on in this story that are pulling us to say, keep reading, keep reading. You know, people will say, you know, what is your, like somebody was, we were talking about job descriptions the other day, and and it got me thinking, what would be like like the pastor's job description? And it's like, well, there's a lot of things on there, and we could add more things to it, and I'm sure we will, but like, what's number one? If I could just get this group of 100 people, or however many it is, to read scripture like every day, Do you know what we would do? Do you know what we would do, guys? We would change the world. And you know why? Because we're made in the image of God. And one of the challenges that we have, and we're going to read about this, like what happened on page three, where the human, the human, right, the Adam and Eve, were just like ripped apart, separated from God because we didn't take him at his word. Isn't that interesting? And so now for all of this time since then, however much time it's been, human doesn't listen to God. And if you've ever noticed that when we don't listen to God, we make a really big mess. And when we do, he comes at us and he says, let me tell you how much I love you. And let let me try to fix the mess, to put it back together again. You see, it's so important that, you know, a dear friend of mine, we were talking yesterday and he's like, I'm working with someone and, and they've got some really good questions. And one of the questions is, why would God 
make the universe knowing that we would do what we were going to do? Why would he do that? Rephrase the question. If you dreamed, and, and again, this is from our limited point of view, but if you had ever dreamed of having, and I know there's people in this room who have dreamed of having children and couldn't, would you do it anyway, even if you knew that maybe they'd be born with a birth defect? Would you go ahead and have children? If you knew they were going to mess everything up, would you go ahead and have children? Those parents who are here with their kids, they're like, maybe, but you know, I mean, we, we would, right? I mean, there's a few of us that would be emotionally struck by that, but do you see what's happening with this question? God is a God of love, and He made you and me because, because He loves us. And he, he is a creator who creates what he loves because he is a community of love. You know, as we always would do the, like the, the brain teaser, what was God doing before the beginning of time? Which, how do you say before the beginning of time? Because it was before that there was no, I don't know. Anyway, so everybody's like, please move on. But the idea is, when we ponder these mysteries, why would God do what he did? Look what he said. He said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness, and let them, there's another word, rule over the fish and the birds and the animals and all the creepy crawlies. Rule over the creepy crawlies. I mean, we're, see, and we, our problem is, is from our perspective of having destroyed the world, essentially, through rejecting God's word, we think of rule with swords and tanks and bullets and nukes and all of those kinds of things. Rule in our world always comes down to someone telling somebody else what to do. But see, from this perspective, as we will see, ruling looks very different. For example, Jesus, when he is born and he grows up and he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. You know, what in the world is going on when he says that? And he himself is the king of kings, the prince of peace, the lord of lords, right? And, and he is the one who's carrying forth that. And what does he do with all of his authority? I want you to ponder that as we look at the next couple of verses. Look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Now you've got to watch out because this is MLV. Anytime that's the case, that means you need to check my work because what I'm doing is I'm translating this as best I can. And whenever I'm in the Old Testament, that's an extra, that goes from yellow alert to red alert because it's Hebrew and it's harder for me to do. But I looked at lots of people's help and got help from this because here's the key. God created human, there's Adam, in his own image. We've shifted back from plural to singular, which is interesting and noteworthy. And again, we could go and drink a nice beverage and ponder that together. But he has, he has, he has created human in his own image. And then, and then what's so cool is then it's like just to make sure we didn't miss it, in the image of God, he created him. So it's like God created him in his own image once, in our own image, and then in his own image, and then his, and in his image again. He really wants us to see this. He has now told us three times in two sentences. You, yes, you, are made in the image of God. He created him, male and female. He created them. Now, some of us, because we live in the year 2019, and because we're Americans, and because there's this political thing and all the things going on with that, we're going to gravitate to that male and female, right? Because right now, that, that definition is a little bit under some siege and question and all of that. But see, here's the great irony. 
So if you're sitting there going, yeah, we're made male and female, all these people who are trying to do gender, all that stuff, you know, they, don't, you know, they need to read the Bible, right? Everyone should read the Scripture. Remember, I'm in big favor of that. But what is happening when we take that sort of um, outrage, you know, feel outrage-filled approach, a demand for justice? Is there anything wrong demanding that we all know the truth? No. But the ones who question this are also made in the image of God. This is what this does, see. The, every human being has full intrinsic value, right? In and of that person's self. Like, it's kind of like this. If human, then valuable. It's kind of like that. Not if strong human or smart human or whatever other attribute or, you know, older than nine months in the womb human or a person who agrees with you and me on everything human. No, it's if human, then valuable. Then ultimately valuable. Created in the image of God, valuable. And this is so huge because even though I know we feel all these things and we want to defend truth and I agree with all all of the things that are behind that, the question becomes, how? Because think about Jesus again. This is kind of an interesting thing I keep inviting us to do. Think about what Jesus was doing. He was going through the world, and he was in a world where no one shared his worldview, even some of the people who followed him. Right? And, and what did he do? Well, we're going to get, we got to get truth. we got to stand up for truth. No, he laid down for truth. Laid his life down. Isn't that an interesting way to rule? Take a look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, because where does this go? God blessed them. It's the second time we see the word blessing right here in the story. And he blessed them, and God said, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, on your handy-dandy half sheet, there's something I want to read to you because I don't want to get this language wrong because every time I try to remember like a specific sentence, it always comes out goofy. So I, I want you to hear this because it's so important. And, and you know, there's all these, I don't know if you guys saw the dig, the dig Deepers. There's the Dig Deepers on there. You could take this with you and you could read the Scripture and you could see all these cool things that allowed my sermon to be much shorter than it would have been. <laughs> so, so I want you to see there's a... There's a there's a beautiful thing on here that comes about, and it's where we see under his own image. And, or I'm sorry, go back down one step further. Genesis 1.28, family. This was the plan all along. Guys, children running around, gardens flourishing, music playing, people singing, a full partnership with all of creation. You guys catch that? Words like subdue, dominion, and rule look very different in a universe where there's no evil and no death. They look like what we saw when Jesus went to the cross. He came to establish dominion over the earth. And he did it by giving up everything for you and for me because you and me are made in his image. The dream of God was to have this place where people would be free to have a community of love. And that sounds weird and you know, like a hippie commune like we were talking earlier because it's so bizarre in this world. The standard default position, remember I'm a tech guy, so we have a default position, right? When you first boot the computer, what's its default? And the answer is there's no operating system, nothing. The default position of the human race is to kill each other. That's our default. 
to establish for each one and each and we'll learn about this in the coming weeks to establish and define for ourselves what is good and what is evil. When God got done with creation on day six, when he got done on the sixth day, he said it was very good. All the other days, it was just good. He made, he made the light. He made the stars. He made the birds and the fish and the creepy crawlies. And those were good. But when he made you and he made me, it was very good. Because you and me, in his eyes, are of highest value. You and me are his children. His children. See, this whole idea, what does it mean to fill the earth and to subdue it? It means to be fruitful and multiply and work the ground. It's not pick up a sword. It's pick up a hoe, right? Start working the dirt. Start making some beautiful things grow. Grab the musical instruments and start going, right? And sing praises to God and sing about the beauty and joy of what we do in this world and what we have with each other and what we share and participate in. This is the dream of God. And of course... We chucked it, but he didn't. Take a look at Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5. When the time had fully come, so he, you know, it's not like he was sitting there going, oh, wow, I never thought that they might do that. <laughs> no, he knew. He knew that, that we were going to, he's like, you know, if I give these creatures freedom, because Adam and Eve had freedom. You and I, we're all messed up. We, we want to go left. We don't always go that. We, we, we have all these ideas of, of what we would do if we were free. But we're kind of messed up. We're bound up in our brokenness. But Adam and Eve weren't. They were free to choose left or right. They were free to listen to God or to the serpent. They were free. And he knew that they could, they could and he probably knew, not probably, we know later on, he did. Ephesians 1, he knew. So here... It says, when, God, when the time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman. This is very important. Born of a woman it means He's a human. Fully human. Fully God, because He's God's Son. But fully human. How was He born? He's born the same way you and I are. Under the law. The law is very clear. God is just, humans aren't. Somebody's got to deal with that. Some, I mean... Everybody must give an account. Everyone must give an account. So he was born under the law. Why was he doing it? To buy back those who were under the law. Because he knew that when, if we got to the end of the road and we had to give an account, anybody ready to give an account? I mean, are you proud of your accounting? I mean, is your ledger looking pretty good? Not mine. Maybe y'all are better than me. But either way, I don't think any of us want to have that conversation right and so what happened is is he came to redeem us because he knew none of us could survive that accounting process so that why why so that we might receive full rights as what's that word sons now remember that applies to both the male and the female right he we've established that in a few verses earlier in, in galatians 3 in christ we're all one and in this particular case, and the key is so important, is that the reason why is because this was such radical words, because at the time they were written by the Apostle Paul, carried along by the Holy Spirit, women were like way down here, and men were way up here, and women had a very specific set of roles to play, and nary the two shall deal with that, right? And instead, he's saying, no, in God's kingdom, <laughs> men and women are here. They're equal value. We could still show you a couple other passages where maybe we have different roles or whatever and we'll talk about that another day but the point is equal value 
equal purpose. And this is so important. And this is why it's so important that you and I see that he made us in our image. He made us, excuse me, in his image. From his point of view, it was our. But in his image, because we're his kids. And he's all about family. From the very beginning, from page one and page two, it was all about family. Take a look at verses six and seven. Because you are sons, all of y'all, because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son. Where did He send Him? Into our hearts. Into our hearts. The Spirit who calls out Abba. Now, again, you get 26 theologians together, they'll all mess it up. Uh, it probably only takes two. So, since I'm the only one talking, I get to have my way. I'm going to say that Abba means dad. I'd have professors like, yeah, there's really not enough evidence. I don't care. I can just tell you from the context. Abba, it's an Aramaic word for father, but the way he uses it here, I'm convinced it means dad. The way you and I would say dad. Technically speaking, dad and father are synonyms, but they carry different connotation. You might have had a great dad. You had a great relationship with your dad. Some of you did not, and I understand that. I'm blessed. I have, I have a great relationship with my dad. But the thing you've got to know is for no matter what, for the fatherless who are here who didn't even get to know their dad, or if your dad failed you so poorly, you need to know that the, that the ancient of days, that the living God is your dad. Not just your father, but he's your dad, and he's the one who doesn't fail you. He's the one that gave everything for you and continues to do everything for you and will continue to. And our calling is to simply believe that promise. See, this is what he says. He gives you the Spirit so that you can believe that the Spirit himself from within your body cries out, Dad, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you an heir. Because it's what he wanted all along. He made the whole earth for you and for me. Some people will be like, you know, I don't understand why there's all those stars out there. It seems like a pretty big waste of space. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, actually, he, he made us to take care of all that, to participate, to, 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 to work in that. Maybe, I don't know, maybe did God plan for us to build rocket ships? I mean, why not? Let's go see Mars. I mean, it's kind of, the weather's not very good. But I mean, why not? He made us heirs, heirs of the kingdom, heirs of the universe. That's what he made us to be. And he sent Jesus to save us from the fact that we messed that plan up and to restore that plan. Take a look. No, don't take a look. I meant, I meant to stop here. One more thing about air. So oftentimes in our culture, the sort of Christian culture, we will be asked, well, are you saved or not? And I find it interesting that very rarely is that kind of language in the Bible. This word, however, far more times. Far many more times. I would wonder what would happen if we would go around asking people, instead of are you saved or not, are you an heir to the kingdom or not? I mean, people would just look at you weird. I know this because that's what they do to me. But when you ask them that question, it causes them to think, right? It's just, yes, it happens. I know my wife's like, eh. And so, you know, this is what happens. And so what you do is, you, is you're, you're, you're inviting people to see an aspect of the story that maybe isn't what we would expect. That the God of the universe doesn't just make people in some sort of you know, arbitrary or, or even capricious. Some people will claim he's capricious or he's egotistical or what. No, no. Do you know what the Scripture says your, his glory is? 
I'm looking at it. You are the glory of God. And the glory of God dwells in your body. The kavod Yahweh from the Old Testament lives in you. And so that's what it means to receive all of these gifts and to believe in the word of God. So this week, you might consider as you're reading your Dig Deepers, shameless plug, that what does it mean to be an heir to the kingdom? Because we're going to talk about that in the weeks to come as we do so, all because of Jesus. Please pray with me. Father, we ask you right now to help us take this crazy, it seems crazy to us, idea that you want us to participate with you in the rule of the universe. That you have actually given us that role long before we messed it up. And that you have come to buy us back to make us heirs again. And so we pray right now that you would help us do that and that you would carry us forward and that you would provide such a path. That you would awaken our hearts and our minds to not this sort of silly story about life is about being a good person and then going to heaven, but it's rather about receiving the promises of God and helping to bring about heaven on earth. A completely different way of thinking and yet the way you have proclaimed to us, carry us in that story. Root in us the desire to learn that story and to grow in that story and to receive your grace and your mercy and peace afresh and anew every day, all in the mighty name of Jesus, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.